I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. What is up, guys? Welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. Brad. Hey, Pasa. That's Steven. Yes. What is up? What is up? What's up with Cheers. you? Uh, I saw Steve Earle last night. It was awesome. Yeah, That's, man. Um, he's, he's, he's good. I, he's I think so I told good. you I know his manager, and I keep meaning to go see him. But He's playing next week. He's doing a residency at City Winery. He's doing one next Monday. Uh, okay. You next time, if you, wanna, if you wanna go again, let me know. I might go next week. All right. I should go. I would like to see him. Yeah, he's amazing. I would like to get him on the podcast and talk about nothing but the wire. I'm I'm working on it. I've been working on it for three (laughs) years though. So (laughs) yeah, Um, but it pays off the people you get. Yeah, it's fun when when it pays off when someone you've been trying to get for like years finally comes through. Yeah, dude, I can't I can't even imagine the stuff that you have to go through to get these people. And I like the fact that they come on basically because they go, oh yeah, you're cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's fun. It's been yeah, it's been good. Good experience. It kind of puts the uh, you know, in a nice way, lets the air out of how like bookings work. You know what I mean? Because it always boils down to, do I like you, the booker? Like like my wife Trish, like she's been booking people for years, and she would get you know bands on because the label would go, ah, I like you, I'll bring them on. You know what I mean? Consequently, I know someone who worked in the talk show vein and like there are certain people like that they would refuse to have on like certain like e correspondence or all access people, you know, that kind of stuff. Cause they're like, no, 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 no. And you just hear these stories about, no, stay away. It's weird. It's almost like this petty high school thing, but it's just literally boils down to, are you cool? Can you hang? Can you not be a douche? Yeah. Well, it's also like, this isn't really my job. So it's like if people cancel or like they can't do it, it's like, I don't have to like tell like my boss, like, Hey, it's like, it doesn't really matter. I'm just like, I'll go home. It's <laughs> like the last time we tried to do this, one of the guests canceled. One of them s- overslept. I was here for like four hours and we didn't get anything done. I was like, yeah, it's like you're the, you know, you're, you're, you don't really care. It's like when you're going after a girl and you don't really care. And then she wants you really wants you more. That's how you are with guests. You're like, eh, you can come on my podcast. Yeah, you know, not. that actually is exactly <laughs> what happened because one of our guests didn't show up and I was like, I wanted them to come on, but it was no big deal. And then as time went by, I was like, well, should I just stay? And I stayed for like an hour. Like they weren't responding to me. Like the more I wasn't hearing from them, the more I was like, no, I need this. <laughs> Which is like, I feel like, yeah, that's how it can be with girls. No, I'm saying I, you 
Am I did totally miss a point on that? Yeah, like, okay. When you when, when you're maybe. totally cool towards a girl, then they're then they're attracted to you. That's when they want like when so when you get hooked up and you're getting laid, like then that's when chicks come after you. Yes, that is true. So like you're like you're getting laid. Every time I have a guest on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And so is, you don't really care if the next one comes on. Right. No, no, no. That's, so they yeah. want to come on because they sense that. Because they sense that I don't Everybody care. else is trying to get them on their show or get an interview. And you're like, hey, you know, if you got time, man, it'd be cool. Yeah, that's true. That's how we got Barack I, Obama on. Oh, wait a minute. I've got to cultivate that that's attitude. True. I've got to <laughs> cultivate true. that attitude to other areas of my life. You mean, you mean Barack Obama. That was who we had on. <laughs> Um, today's guest actually uh i've been trying to get on for a really long time so i'm really excited uh dave and jake from minus a bear came by when they were in town and uh i love that band yeah they played at vitus when the night i saw them and then they played somewhere way bigger like they normally do the next night but yeah dave one of probably the most incredible guitar players i've ever seen uh just looping tapping i mean that dude is doing it all live he's amazing what does that what does that mean looping on guitar he has all these kind of these line six dl4 kind of delay pedals that can like sample stuff so he'll kind of play stuff in between songs and like record it and then like play it back oh using, i've seen like, that triggers and but he has like four or five of them kind of all linked together he i was telling like my old band the love kill played some shows with them and i would stand next to the stage and watch him play yeah. And I was like, I have no fucking idea yeah. what this guy's doing. I like, I played guitar for like 15 years at that point. Literally, like, I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, some people really master. He's kind of like a mad that. scientist. Yeah, that's what of. it is. It's really. But remember, Jeff Beck only uses a volume pedal. I didn't even use that baby. So fuck Beck. Yeah, fuck Beck. <laughs> <laughs> my know effect, you, you know what my guitar effect was? A fucking 20 foot cord man yeah, yeah i mean that's the older i get the more i'm into that the more i'm just like this is just it's almost it's just more stuff to go wrong it is more stuff to go wrong but unless you're someone like dave where it's like you've created a whole palette of incredible sounds. no no i i love watching somebody that can do that yeah like me make, too it's like a different it's you're basically using the effect as an instrument as opposed to yes. trying to have it as cover up your being able to play the damn thing no most guys it can do it because you have to have rhythm for one yeah thing. i mean the stuff you play i mean he does it, he's an incredible i mean jake is also an amazing guitar player but it's like dave is just so his style is so incredible that i feel like everyone in that band is a fucking monster it's always basically. interesting when you have a band that that like one guy is just so good you forget like how good the other guy is you know yeah. what i mean like the other like 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 metallica like even though they're not so great now but at a time it would be if you threw james hetfield in any other band he'd be the lead guitar player right you know that kind right. of thing. no that's true but yeah they're awesome and they um they put out a ton of records obviously their latest record is called lost loves and it's like a bunch of unreleased rarities that came out in october um but i would say minus the bear man you gotta start from the beginning like yeah, they're great. i'd go through everything um They've changed a lot. You know, obviously Dave was in like Botch with Brian Cook, who co-hosts our podcast a lot. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Dave was a guitar player in Botch. And uh, huh. yeah, all those guys have been in kind of old, old, like old hardcore bands. So it's cool to see kind of my Bear's evolution, but also these guys evolution as musicians. Um, so yeah. And uh, they sell shirts at their shows. They do? <laughs> yes. I own one. Best segue ever. I'm not sure where they got printed, but... Uh, but where they probably got printed, who they probably pro- use because it's the best company to use, is... is- Com- Commonwealth Press. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe if you go to cwpress.com slash podcast, mm-hmm. you can um, 
you can get six free shirts and they're correct spon- they're sponsoring some episodes of this podcast because they're fans which is awesome and yeah they came to us which we love yeah by the way if you're if you like the podcast and you have a small business venture we're down with it if you have a small business venture that you want to be huge they they yeah. came to us because we're like the guy that doesn't need uh to get laid it's true yeah they came to us because <laughs> we weren't putting it out there <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's funny because we haven't put it out there to Google or Apple or anybody. So, I mean, it's probably, you know, they're next in line. Yeah, Chevrolet. But, but seriously, if you're in a band, you need merch. Why not have someone cool print your merch who gives, give, give you a good deal? So anyways, yeah. check them out. Um, and yeah, let's get to Dave and Jay because they're awesome. So ladies and gentlemen, minus the bear. Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Um, today our guests are Dave and Jake from Minus the Bear. How's it going? Good. Going great. Thanks for having us. Of course. And Brian Cook, guest hello. hosting. Yes, hello. And Chase is here, their manager. <laughs> oh, good. He also has a mic in case he wants to jump in at any point. Don't let us say anything too bad about... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Chase is a little controlling. He wanted to be in here. Um, and you guys drove in a bandwagon from Pittsburgh last night. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into it, man. How was it? The show itself was really great. It was like, you know, total warm-up show, super tiny club. Uh, but it was really fun. The The bandwagon experience was certainly uh, something new and yeah. different. Yeah, the bandwagon, that thing is a, it's a rough rider and um, a lot of bounciness. And I woke up pretty nauseated and ended up going out in front of it. And and puking a little bit. Oh, ooh, really? <laughs> and then I backed up and looked up, and the driver's like eating a sandwich. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't usually get motion sickness, but man, it was it's, a lot of motion. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, the because it's just single axle, so it's just like every bump is just magnified by mm. I don't know so much more than even in like a regular van. It seems like. Plus, I'm on like the top bunk, so it's like really wavy side to side. So like turning i mean i thought yeah. i was gonna I, I i don't think i really slept because i was afraid i was gonna roll out <laughs> and it just sounds it sounds like a transformer transforming the whole time like it's going down the road it's like really loud and then the other good, noises. the other cool sound was when the microwave dish tray <laughs> flew off the turntable and smashed Shattered into a thousand pieces on the floor <laughs> at like seven in the morning while we were getting into town but i mean travel day one pretty yeah good. It, it, it was really clean though like, that's because we've only been in there for like 12 hours yeah, i feel like that doesn't matter though. i feel like whenever i'm anywhere there's just clothes everywhere everything explodes i'm sure i mean alex's bags were everywhere i mean everyone else kind of put their stuff away but we'll we'll give him some crap about thanks that. alex yeah i like the the note that in the, if you need to shit call the driver at this number yeah because it's not like a regular bus so cut and dry i really like it it reflects <laughs> jj's personality pretty well <laughs> and it really once you get home you can still just call him whenever you're going to take a shit yeah exactly like great idea you know i, I I've, I've only had one experience on a nightliner which i shared with you dave yep um but that's always the thing i i thought about is is shitting on a bus because i know that's like obviously really bad business yeah and our experience, our driver did not pull over to let people shit. Is that like standard of bus drivers or? No, normally. Yeah, let's they're... get into this. Um, <laughs> I, I want to, because this, like, 
Living in Manhattan, whenever I leave the house, I am always conscious of what, like, yeah, you have to be my yeah. bathroom situation is. <laughs> where's the Starbucks? And I feel like I'd be very paranoid on a nightliner if it's like, all right, there is now a shit embargo where like you cannot do anything for the next eight hours of this drive. That's terrifying to me. Absolutely, and sometimes you wake up and it's just like, oh my god, where are we? Like, <laughs> I, yeah, like, hey, I mean, normally on a other you know regular bus it'd be like you know you go up and talk to the guy but because he's in his own compartment we have to you know call jj on the phone but i mean he said he'd pull over whenever we needed to okay so and if worse comes to worse you just get that plastic bag of shame <laughs> yeah that's what i when i was on warp tour i was on a bus with 20 people oh and yeah you'd have to like inevitably and people just go in the bathroom take a bag and then have to throw it out the window yep yeah it's i did that all the time yeah on the bus hey, i'm not i'm not gonna wait it's Sometimes like, you can't. You look, on your th- you look on your phone and you're like, where are we or where are we? Oh, my God. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's a rest stop 40 minutes away. There's no way I can make this. Yeah. The bag comes out. You're done. Yeah. Easy. I, like, I think it's the bag of pride. <laughs> <laughs> You've really accomplished something. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, uh, had experience talking with a bus driver about this uh, this issue. And he's like, oh, yeah, like I have like a five minute window of time. Like when the need kicks in. He's just drinking coffee all night. Sure. Like, when the need kicks in, I have like five minutes. And he's like, a lot of times I, I don't make it. And he's like, so Wait, I just, what? Yeah. So he's like, I just know that, you know, like all these, you know, you go to Flying J, they have like the trucker bathroom with the shower. And he's like, you just shuck off what you're wearing and throw it away and then take a shower. Then, oh, like, really? This is, this is like something that happens to you multiple times. Like this is who, which dri- I'm not, I'm not going to name any names, but. Yeah, let's not throw the driver oh, under the bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, that was a bad one. rim shot. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, that's like a that's a harsh reality if you're in that line of work where it's just like, yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds like a. It's one of the it's one of the most you know. Well, I, th- I think you think about that throughout a tour, like, what's going to happen tonight. On yeah. the bus. And then sometimes you're trying to sleep. <laughs> it, it, no, exactly. And then sometimes you wake up and like the club might be closed because you get there really early. And then you're like, maybe the club's like not, you know, in the middle of nowhere. So you get up and you're like, oh my God, where am I going to still have to bag it? Go to the bathroom. Yeah, and then dude. you're just like <laughs> looking on your phone for like, you know, like on Google Maps or whatever, trying to see if there's anything nearby that's, you know, like a restaurant or something that's open, like a. I don't know. You get there and you're like, this, of course, the stall has no door on it or something. Right. right. Or it's totally just destroyed by someone else <laughs> yeah. hasn't been cleaned and like. And you do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, I'm so, so glad we talked about this. Tour is yeah, so yeah. glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> really, really peeling back the uh, yeah. the veil on, yeah. on all this. You know, it's crazy. I was thinking about uh, my old band played with you guys at the Sokol Underground a really long time ago. It was us and then a pre-Brian Cook, Russian Circles. And then Criteria, and then you guys. Oh, yeah. And, uh... Steven Peterson. Steven Peterson. Steven Peterson. Yes. Amazing dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I remember I was, like, hanging out with you guys backstage, and it was getting, like, everyone was, like, super wasted, I think. And I was like, I don't understand how you guys can go play your music so hard to play. And you guys are like, eh, and played perfect. Mm. Well, there's, I mean... <laughs> it doesn't always work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's that sweet spot, yeah. but, man... I mean, we were talking about this last night, like, yesterday, or last night's show, I mean, I think was probably the most sober show we've played in... A, a Decade? In a long time, and it was awesome. I mean, yeah, you yeah. just, like, th- you know, it's like... 
I mean, the booze is great for like ramping up your energy and like kind of making you maybe do some weirder or crazier higher stuff kick. on stage. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> pogo a little bit higher, a couple more inches. Uh, but I mean, last night it was so much, I don't know, so much fun. It was, I don't know, I feel like maybe a little better, a little sober or yeah yeah it's difficult sometimes when you when your fingers don't behave if you've had too many of those jack yeah. daniels whiskeys but then sometimes after a while you know you get acclimated to that level of, <laughs> of booze <laughs> in your system good too so, awesome all right and half the time everyone else is drunk in the crowd so yeah i guess just i feel like i don't even really understand what you're doing up there like because i feel like with all the DL6s, it, like, it looks like you're just like pressing stuff, and then all of a sudden it sounds like the record. I mean, <laughs> I literally, like, I play guitar for half my life, and you're the one dude where I, like, I just can't figure out what's happening. There's a lot of, I mean, there are a ton of pedals, you know, and four of those DL4s to, you know, sample the uh, riffs that I'm playing during the songs, and then, you know, make them go back, you know, reverse, double time, re-trigger them to the beginning. It's a really cool pedal, um, but I've uh, but and we've written so many riffs with those, you know, with that pedal in mind because of the way that it works and retriggers the samples and stuff. So it's super, like one of the most crucial pieces of my pedal board. And it's almost like you know you can think of it as like an instrument in and you know of itself in terms of getting sounds and manipulating it to you know to get unique guitar sounds. Because I think half the fun of at least, you know, my playing is trying to, like, do stuff that wouldn't be normally... You you know, when you hear it, you don't necessarily think, oh, that's a guitar. You know what I mean? Whether it's the tapping stuff or a sample that's at some crazy speed or pitch that isn't natural to just actually play on a guitar. And that's, like, half the fun of being in this band. And I try to use less and less of it over time. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I feel like some need to have... Some time where I trigger a sample that goes or whatever they go, you know, like, yeah, however it and, is, and uh, just to just so I could do it too, you know. <laughs> um, but man, yeah, I try to stay away from it as much as possible. Yeah, well, I think it's nice that you guys have these, the, you know, the two acoustic records because it kind of shows that you know the songs aren't completely reliant on technology. You know, the songs work in their own right, you know, melodically or totally rhythmically, and it's not you know, confined to like a piece of technology, which is yeah. kind of crucial, you know? Exactly. And it was a freeing experience, you know, going down and um, just remanufacturing the songs in this more simple way. Yeah. And it's, and it's a cool challenge to like figure out how to, you know, to recreate some of the sample or tapping based stuff, but use it in more of like a acoustic finger picked kind of, kind of way. And like, you know, it's a learning experience too, to like, you know, realize, oh, well, what I was doing there, I didn't even realize that I can just play big open chords and, you know, Replicate and have it. the same melodic um, tone, but have it be played in a completely, totally different fashion. Um, yeah, those acoustic records are, are, uh, were, were really fun to do. Yeah, they're always fun. Just go into the studio for a weekend with Matt Bayless and bust them out. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, did you talk to that couple last night that, walked down the aisle to the acoustic version of absinthe no thank god and then they really? did and then it was her brother her brother played it while they were walking down the aisle live or whatever and then they danced to the whole acoustic version of the song as their first dance 
That's lovely. I know. I I kind of brought a tear to my eye. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. Brian, do you ever think about doing Russian circles acoustic records? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it'd be kind of fun. I think it'd be fun to do, you know. I mean, the new record has, I mean, the whole, has a acoustic guitar. Yeah. I mean, but that's like suited for. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to do a record where it's like, okay, let's not like use amps and like a ton of pedals just to see like what we can do, like bare bones and do a little do a little bit of like the deconstructing of what we do but to try and i think to try and uh restructure our songs i don't know i don't know if we could let go that way like i'm, I'm kind of envious that you guys can do that but i think we get so married to like certain tonalities and things yeah. like that where it's like maybe we should do it for you guys oh yeah, yeah. yeah. there you yeah. go that's a, that's a great idea yeah. we we do a russian circles acoustics three <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's cool. We're coming with that's a good idea. Let's uh, keep going. What else can we do? <laughs> well, you're probably one of the few bands that's done a remix record and acoustic version, so you're able to retool your songs in a variety of ways. Yeah, the remix record that came about that was that was really awesome. Um, and we've had some other remixes done since then, and you know they've appeared on B sides and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, that acoustic record was really fun to create, and it was at a time when. You know, right after Osa, where a lot of that material was inspired by a lot of the electronic stuff out then, you know, like the Fortet, you know, Caribou, kind of stuff like that. So it was cool to, you know, that was a huge, those were huge influences for me for Oso. So it was cool to kind of even take it a step further after the songs were written and have friends do remixes and kind of their own interpretations of everything. I remember the first time hearing... Uh, oh, so I was at your booking agent's house. You guys weren't around, but they had an advanced copy of it. They're like, oh, do you want to hear it? And like, at Suzanne's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I was a little high, but I remember they put it on, and I was just being like, what, this is a rock band? Like, this sounds like an electronic record. Everything was, like, so dry and glitchy that I was just like, this is fucking amazing. I, d- I don't understand it. Like, I don't know how they did this, but I was, uh, I remember being really blown away at that moment, so... Thank How did you, you do Thank it? you. We did a... We were at Litho, Matt Bayless, um, built a drum tent. So yeah, like, yeah, the, the drums drum. were completely encased in this tent. And uh, and that's how the drums got so dry. And he still had, like, room mics out because it was kind of like a beefy room sound with some drums leaking out. But Yeah, because yeah. that, that room, I mean, sounds awesome. I mean four drums just as a big space but it was a great idea for matt to totally deaden it because it suits that record so well yeah you know makes it so much more immediate and um yeah that's probably one of the that one of my favorite sounding records yeah i I listened to something the other day from it and uh i was just uh everything sounded loud like i was like well that's loud the drums are loud the guitars are loud (laughs) And then that's really and it's loud. not that's competing. Cool. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> I think it's kind of up front. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes it sound so unique. Is that you know a lot of rock records, you know, they people try really hard to create a sense of space where you know the drums have a certain amount of room or reverb on them, so they sound like they're in the background, and you know things are like panned in a certain way to sound natural, like it's occurring in a room. Mm-hmm. You know that you can. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, there's an actual <clears throat> dimension to the space in which things are happening, but a lot of electronic music, everything's just flat and up front and like 
all kind of vying for your attention. Yep. And uh, it was a very different approach, but uh, I think you guys kind of, I don't know, I always got that vibe out of Oso that it was kind of aiming for that same sort of like, everything's like right up front. And, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, some compression was used. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of like Aaron's drumming, I mean, that was still when we were on that huge writing that like the huge daft punk you know kick after uh discovery you know and all those you know amazing sounding tracks that you know we would all listen to and get inspired by so i think you know his drumming kind of paralleled a lot of those um those beats so it just suited itself to you know have those sounds but still make a minus the bear rock album have you guys always been interested in electronic music, even when you were doing Botch or Sharksky Moving or any kind of the older stuff, or did you get into it kind of later? Uh, yeah, more like some of the stuff like Thrill Jockey or, or Drag City and that type of stuff electronically. Um, or like Portishead kind of stuff, yeah, you know Portishead what I mean? And, I mean, I remember being on that first botch tour with you in europe and that moby record had just come out uh, yeah, do you remember yeah. that the one that i got like every song was like in every commercial for like the next two years um and i mean that was like the first uh <clears throat> i think electronic record i really got into and then from there it was kind of like i went through phases you know like we talked spoke about caribou and fortet and amon tobin and stuff like that but recently i don't know I, i've fallen out of love with a lot of that stuff just because it seems like that other stuff I've, you know seems a lot more creative than a lot of the electronic stuff that's out now that's all that's like all about the bass drop and the like you know like the dubstep stuff so i mean i know that that smart electronic music is still out there i guess i've just kind of let it go off my radar a little bit i feel like this is going to be a horrible sweeping generalization but i feel like <laughs> the, the the majority of electronic music that i'm exposed to is either like listen to this while you read a book and it's just sort of like soothing like sure bing, 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 you know like mm-hmm. all the drum sounds are like someone tapping on a contact mic and it's like <clears throat> like really like charming and like petite sounding yeah. or it's just like you know i just got ableton live and, and it's, it's like, so over the top like, like let me do everything i can at yeah, once yeah, it's like <laughs> There's got to be like a happy medium somewhere in between, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I have so much more interest in electronic music and then so much more disappointment that goes with it where it's like, oh, this is something new. I'll check this out. And it's like nine times out of 10, it's like, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I wouldn't say, I mean, I, I agree with your sweeping generalization. Yeah, me okay, too. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I remember when that first Fatboy Slim record came out. Oh, people mm-hmm. were like losing their minds too, and it was—I thought it was so cool. And then I was, after like a week, I was like, hey. "You're like, I've moved back to guitars and yeah, yeah." Um, I think you guys have one of the best stories ever about how you got your band name. And, <laughs> oh no! Uh, and it, what's funny, Chase? About, didn't we tell you not to ask this question? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make you tell the story. But uh, I, my ex girlfriend's your her her i think my wife's mom my mother-in-law used to cut your my girl ex-girlfriend's hair yeah and i was listening to you guys like a week before in orange county i was listening to the record like a week before and she's like who is this and i was like it's been my severe she's like oh it's a weird name i was like it's the best story ever (laughs) and then she texted me and she's like i got my hair i'm getting my hair cut by the guitar player's mother-in-law and i was like really 
She's like, yeah. And she's like, and I told them the story about how they got their name. They never had heard it. Oh, and I was like, oh, oh, great. I was like, you told her that? And she's like, yeah, it's so funny, right? They wanted to hear it. And I was like, I don't, I was like, I told you, I didn't expect you to tell his mother-in-law, but yeah. she, she said they, they seemed like they thought it was really funny. <laughs> That's a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> now they know. Now yeah, they now know. they know. I mean... All they had to do is look at Wikipedia. Exactly. I mean, know, that's, so. that's the standard answer now when, you know, you get the interview with an unprepared interviewer. And they're do like, you still get that a lot? Like, like first questions? Like, I mean, music, time. I, mean yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's music journalism. Just that. anyone can do it. Anyone can do it now. I mean, everyone does it. It's like, you know, and there's no prep. A lot of the interviews are, I don't know. I haven't heard your record yet, but <laughs> yeah, you know, how's sewer going? You know, what's up with like the funny that. song titles? Yeah, yeah. What's your shitting situation like? <laughs> yeah. Do you guys get to have bowel movements regularly? <laughs> or are you forced to hold them in torturously? <laughs> I don't know. Have Have you guys kind of all stayed in touch, sort of post being in band together, like this whole crew? Because I feel like sometimes it's like when you're in a band together with people, you kind of don't stay in touch with them, or it ends weird, and then you. No, we've, we've been yeah, we've all yeah. stayed in touch. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, great. I mean, have you stayed in touch with the sh- with? I mean, Nate from Sharks. I mean, do you talk to Dan Dean much? I run into Dan Dean sometimes in the south end of Seattle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the you know, it's weird. He's got a beard and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have a beard now too. Yeah, but Dan Dean with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know, Dave and Brian and I all keep in touch. I mean, we've seen Tim recently, but. You know, he's kind of doing his own thing. But, yeah, I mean, we're all friendly. And, I mean, granted, like, when bands end, sometimes it's, it is totally awkward. Or, you know, there's feelings are hurt or, you know, there's resentment or whatever. But, um, you know, time heals things. And ultimately, I think you appreciate what you accomplished and created with your fellow bandmates. And, you know, you can look up, you can look back on it with, you know, Pride. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you guys know what like what your fan base is like now? Because I feel like I remember it was sort of more like the kind of maybe punk kind of that scene. And then I felt like when the Danger Bird record came out and stuff, I remember being at a show, maybe at Webster. And I was like, oh, there's all these like kind of like normal looking people. I don't know how to describe it, but it was like a whole different. It seemed like you got a whole new audience. Normals. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that record definitely reached, you know, other people that we hadn't, that hadn't heard us before. So, I mean, I, you know, with that record cycle, there was certainly a new flock of people coming out and, you know, and also like over, the, you know, any band, like you kind of shed fans with each record based on what you're doing and then you kind of gain fans. Um, and there's always that true diehard contingent. Um, yeah, but, I mean, there's just a lot more variety. Yeah, people at the shows and age-wise too. Um, a lot of old people. This tour will be interesting because it's, you know, just, you know, a lot of the clubs are so small that it's like really like for diehard fans. So I mean, like last night, you know, everyone there bought their tickets like the minute they went on sale because it was you know such a small club, um, which is which is really cool to you know be able to do that and play in an intimate venue for. Your diehard fans. So I mean, those people. Most of the people last night had probably seen us three, four, whatever times going back. You know, I don't know how many years. Um, 
but I mean, I don't know what our, I don't know how we, how to describe what our fan base is like now. I mean, it's, yeah. Let's well, people that, st- you know, we started and people that are, that were our age then are now, you know, pushing 40. So they all have kids and stuff. And yeah. They all have kids. Every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them have kids, but you know, um, and that'll keep you from going to shows as I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like when there's old people at, at a show. Like it's it's yeah. it's nice when there's like a good variety, like a good mix. But like old people, it's like, man, you probably had so many other things going on, <laughs> and, and you're probably so over doing this, but you still came out. Yeah, like, it's awesome. When there's someone with gray hair, I'm always like, yes, look at that guy. That guy, that guy probably saw Iron Butterfly. That fucking. <laughs> yep. I always yeah, I love seeing like the old dude that's like wearing like a Gibson shirt or like you know what I mean, some like guitar thing, and he's just like freaking out like you know what i mean just you know it's like really getting into it it's like jamming yeah, out yeah it's just like all right you know like hooray there's more than just I, i'm not going to disparage any of our fans but it's you know nice to see different demographics like you know there was a couple older people last night which is mm-hmm. you know yeah i didn't mean to talk trash about young fans young fans <laughs> are great too but there's something like i feel like if you're you know and you're like mid to late 30s like pushing 40 and your fan base is all like young people and it's like what kind of music am i writing yeah right you know because it's music i feel like you're trying to communicate something and i think it's great if you can connect with people from different walks of life different age groups but if you're only connecting with like people that are not even like drinking age it's like i don't know like how simple is my music or how like (laughs) How juvenile is my music? That like freaks me out. I think that's a big problem in like pop punk, especially. It's like if you're in gutter mouth or something, you're thinking about like your locker or something. Yeah, yeah. dude, you can't be thinking about like high school still. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) or it's like Blink One Eight Two, or it's like God, you're still writing songs about like your parents' divorce. You're like, you're my age. (laughs) Come on, man. But I think there's maybe like a you know a scope to the band where you know people of all ages can appreciate. Because, I mean, the lyrics, you know, you can, you know, interpret lyrics different ways and they have different meanings for everyone. But, you know, sometimes they touch on, like, the core emotions or feelings that, you know, everybody has. So it's can kind of be multi-generational in terms of how people relate to, you know. Yeah, everybody had a locker yeah that one song that that one new song that you wrote about the locker (laughs) that we're gonna play tonight i think people are really gonna love that yeah yeah they can relate i'm sure yeah definitely (laughs) that's a cool it's a cool thing to see a lot of different folks out there yeah do you feel like a lot of that change has come you guys have done more and more sort of festival dates Mm -hmm. in recent years and i feel like you know festivals always kind of reach a broader broader range of people and kind of a different dynamic mm-hmm. there are people that and i don't understand these people but there are people that love festivals <laughs> but won't go to shows and i'm like what <laughs> that sounds awful yeah, yeah, yeah. that does sound awful. hang out Terrible. outside in the sun in the dirt mm-hmm. with so many other people that are yeah 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 watching like multiple bands like i'm getting more and more it's like two band bills are great you yeah know? <laughs> i agree it's a sweet spot yeah, yeah. it it's is great. but yeah. uh yeah, do you feel like there, uh, some of the change in the demographic might be tied to that? I think, yeah, somewhat. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't really have a great answer for that one, Brian. All right, all right well. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we did a lot of those those festivals, but it's so funny because now it seems like festivals are almost <clears throat> like with Coachella and a lot of these festivals. It's like they don't even announce the bands, but the tickets sell out yeah. before any of the artists are announced. So it seems like just festival culture itself is like becoming a huge thing where people just want to go because they know it's going to be a party. They don't care who's playing. They So, I mean, I don't know if even these days festivals necessarily mean what they did. I mean, I'm sure they do. I mean, you get a ton of exposure, but it's not like they're they're just going for the experience, not necessarily because they know you're playing. Yeah, yeah. But that still is a way to reach new fans. So, yeah, I don't know. Some of the uh, older folks, I think, saw the uh, live from Daryl's house performance. Oh yeah, yeah. And so I think we get a few like you know fifties totally folks out. They're like, hey, I saw you on the hall show. Really cool. Which I still think is My one of the most amazing things guys. ever. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Which I still think is one of the most amazing things ever. It was that, I was not even aware of that show until I think you guys were on it. And I feel like, man, that's like a whole other... How did that come about? Did did they get? In, did he get in touch with you? Or how does... Yeah. I think um, they'd done Butch Walker and a couple other uh, Danger Bird acts... And so there was already kind of a bit of a relationship, and then they um, asked if we could come do it. Yeah. Have you seen his other show, the renovation one? No, not yet, but I'd love to. <laughs> Is but, he renovating his barn? Do you know the the premise of it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He's very into that stuff. Like home renovation? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He, the, the place that, that we... He sold it now, but the place that... Uh, we played in was like this like two you know 1700s or some shit homes put together and the middle that joins them is the performance room hmm. and so and he found out later that they were like built by the same guy somehow but he didn't know at the time and it's just all of its original like down to the type of nails used and stuff so wow so he's a chatty guy. He's like he's he wasn't just uh, some dude that swooped in and waited for camera time. He yeah yeah. He was that's good yeah. to hear. Yeah, but we you know we were in there for like we got in there. We set up our shit and started playing. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of rehearsing. Hi, how are you? and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Have you guys seen that show with Adam Carolla where he's like goes after home renovators that rip people off? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny it's pretty incredible like people get really shitty renovation work done and then like the guy won't won't give them their money back or whatever and then adam crowley will just go to the guy and like yell at him and like berate him and be like we're either gonna like sue you or you have to fix this yeah like, on camera huh. <laughs> it's pretty funny i've watched vanessa and i watched an episode of that the other night and she's like, this is my new favorite show. I hate working with contractors at work. They always flake out at me. I totally relate to everything that's happening yeah. in this, in this it's show. It's strangely <laughs> validating. You're like, yeah, because these guys do this thing that I don't know how to do that I have to pay someone to do, and I know they're ripping me off. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, and and the, when they catch the person, and it's, you know, they're like totally denying, <laughs> you know, trying to talk their way out of it. And it's like, look at this thing you just left over here and nails coming up from everywhere. Yeah pretty funny show yeah you guys should check it out it sounds kind of uncomfortable <laughs> yeah it sounds con- yeah it sounds like, like watching parking wars where it's just like oh, oh, i love that show too. i love that kind of stuff just like confrontational yep. like awkward dude i don't like, know what it is just 
watching people in the DMV, I think just because I'm so glad I'm not there, yeah. that it's like this weird, I get just joy out of not being there and watching. <laughs> I don't know. It's really, I guess it's really fucked up, sort of. Yeah, I always but wonder if it's, you know, if pain it's like, in a, in, enjoyment and others suffering. <laughs> yeah. Shaden Freud. I also like Airport 24 7. I was just going to say that one where they're just like yelling at the ticket agents or just like, I oh missed my, my flight. See, that sounds awesome. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can yeah. find that. Like, what this are my luggage over to? I hope I'm yeah. on the show. <laughs> Did I unknowingly sign a waiver and like, yeah. I'm going to be the next guy on this program? <laughs> Who says yes to this stuff? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> TV. What is the benefit of <laughs> saying yes TV. and like just ending up looking like a total jerk? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, do you think you're like, tell your friends, like, I'm going to be on the show tonight. Yeah, like, watch I me scr- embarrass myself. Yeah, I make this woman <laughs> cry. It's so great. <laughs> I really just gave I her- come off really poorly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'll enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think sort of getting back to what Brian was saying about your fan base, I mean, it seems also like you guys are one of the few bands who are kind of still... De- I was associated with like Thursday or like Planes Was Taken for Stars or all these bands obviously you've toured with. I mean, what do you think has been kind of your secret to not breaking... Because you guys, I feel like, haven't done like the hiatus. Like It's like yeah. you guys always seem to be creating something. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's... I mean, we you know, it's validating. We enjoy doing it. It's awesome going on tour. I mean, I think also like with this band, it's kind of in a unique situation where we're not really pigeonholed into one specific i mean sure we have our sound but it's like when we get influenced by new things we can take those influences and write a new record that is inspiring to us that you know sounds totally different than what um the earlier stuff sounds like so it's it's kind of cool to be able to have that flexibility like to do the acoustic records to do the remix record and have it all kind of fit under what minus the bear is so it's like a very broad sort of you know palette that we have to work with you know like i mean i know um you know when brian and i were in botch i mean at the at the end you know it felt like there were constraints for what could be done within that world and the tones and vocal stylings and all that stuff and it was kind of like like what is next whereas in this band it seems like there's more room to to branch out and to use those different influences to you know, to keep going and keep ourselves inspired. Yeah, and, you know, I think we all feel like a responsibility for each other because it's all, you know, our livelihood and whatnot. We just, I mean, yeah, you feel like you need to keep going so that we all keep going and, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, we've been doing it for, I mean, what, this is like year 13, which is crazy to think about. Um, But it's, you know it's truly super fun and it's rewarding and i mean i don't know i mean i love i mean we all just love playing music and i mean we're such tight new tight-knit group of friends at this point i mean it's kind of crazy for me to think about the only band member change we had was like eight years ago when matt left and for a band to be together for this long without having you know significant lineup changes or having like one original member left is kind of kind of crazy plus i think each of us brings something unique to the table you know obviously and it's part of me wishes we'd have broken up a little while ago and then <laughs> reformed now <laughs> around this reformation you know Bonanza. surge that we're, that we're experiencing uh, 
American yeah. football. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, but yeah, just sweep up some of that, sh- that money. Right there. That's, it's, but it is, it's interesting to be in a band for 13 years. I don't know how, I mean, day by day. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tour tricky. by tour. Yeah. Yeah. I always think about, you know, you guys are obviously doing like the 10 year anniversary for beer commercials and things like that. And you've, you've now like had like several 10 year milestones, which is pretty rare for any band. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, as John was saying, like you guys have been going consistent throughout that whole time. And, uh, I was trying to think of like other bands that can like reach that level where they're active consistently that long. And it's like, a band like Melvin's or like Sonic Youth and mm-hmm. it's like uh bands like that they always have like their their different like their different eras I guess you know there are people that will talk about Sonic Youth or like oh well, Sisters like the Pinnacle or sure. oh, it's Daydream Nation or it's Murray Street or whatever like where, where do you guys see yourself now in terms of like the era of your band we've talked a little bit about how like your demographics change mm-hmm. but you know, I feel like when you guys started off, you were kind of in a similar field with like a band like American Football, where it's like this really sort of cerebral, like intricate pop music. Sure. And now I feel like you guys are doing something a little more straightforward in some ways, or a lot more like gritty. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you see the band going next? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting point in in our life as a band related to that stuff just because we haven't had uh a hell of a lot of time to get down and practice and jam yeah jam jam on the music you know it's just uh i mean yeah we've we've read i almost don't want to think about it like like what our direction is Mm -hmm. you know or what we can do or what we should do Sometimes it is good to have like a real good, clear idea ahead of time, like we had with Ice, but or this, us, yeah, yeah. But this time I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 as in terms of like what era of the band it is, I, I don't know how to totally phrase it, but I mean, I you know we've written like five ish, you know, new songs or whatever that we're working on. I mean, we're you know continuing to write new stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, what as our personal lives sort of evolve you know that has some sort of impact on what you know is influencing the band too you know what i mean like it's you know three of us have have families now with kids um so you know those experiences the dad era yeah, <laughs> yeah so get ready for some really cheese dick and yeah. butt light guitar solos <laughs> uh no, but I mean, it, I mean, all that stuff kind of inspires what's going on. But I mean, I guess I kind of agree with Jake. I mean, we don't have like a set concept of where we're going at the moment. I think we're kind of like scratching um, around to kind of find what what we're going to do next. I mean, truthfully, it was pretty cool to go back and like relearn a lot of this beer commercial stuff from 10 years ago because it was, you know, kind of like reliving that inspiration and like playing these songs and remembering where you were when you were writing them and you know what kind of practice space we were in and what tours we were on and how we were traveling and all that stuff kind of like is cool to go back and and listen to and and 
figure out how to do it again. I mean, it was a huge challenge for me because some of those songs, it's like we haven't played in a while and the riffs were just like, oh my God, what was I doing there? It's like, oh man, you know, so it's kind of like, I feel like we'll probably draw some inspiration from like even maybe some of our earlier stuff, um, which is kind of a weird thing to say. Not like we're going to go back and write another Pirates or, you know what I mean? Anything like that, but kind of get reacquainted with some of those older songs that... Yeah, it was interesting to see what parts were like... forgotten but really cool like you know just yeah exactly like, like why the hell did we do that like why did we do that what, what, why what, did we make where that were decision we deciding <laughs> and it's and it's it's like well we could just decide to do that you know do again. some weird shit again yeah on that on that level so yeah it's inspiring sometimes to hear yeah to actually learn these songs yeah and it is tough because we didn't play a lot of those songs live for a while so yeah it's like Really, I played it. I played it like that. This riff <laughs> on purpose. On purpose. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like new new stuff, it's like I've been trying to like. I mean, there's obviously I love delays and you know the trails and all that cool stuff. But like, part of me at some point just you know wants to just like have some songs on this next record that are just like totally just fucking in your face. Not like super aggressive necessarily, but like that the tones are just immediate and not so like lush and decaying i mean i'm sure there'll be a lot of that lush kind of stuff too but kind of like that contrast to me seems like a cool um a cool approach to kind of write in a you know start writing some of the new stuff to get this next record going and an experiment with stuff like that because i mean i haven't i mean right now it's just like delay 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 i mean every other post-rock band is delay 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 delay, delay. i remember even like way back in the day I think when you got like your first DL4, you're like, oh, you know, like delay is such a crutch. It's like everything sounds everything good sounds with great. Delay yeah, on, yeah. You know, and it's like, um, yeah, everything. Every it is kind of an easy thing to fall back on. Sure, but at the same time, you got to have a good riff to start off with anyway. And so, right. Um, and, and I mean, yeah, I think it just inspires you to write differently. You know, too. Mm-hmm. You have those delays, and you're like really pretty right right here when i strum this chord but you know? the, yeah and then when and then when it gets too much you turn into like the edge and then yeah, it's just you like do you just go <laughs> dang, dang, and then there's like a whole like bank of like you know rack mounted effects processors that make it sound like you know whatever it sounds like he's playing you know it's there, there can be too much of the processing relying on on the on the effects yeah so. for inspiration well, it's kind of funny. you just put out this Lost Loves record, which is like the rarities B side thing, and I guess not knowing most of that material, I was ready for it to be some of the more I don't know maybe abstract moments or experimental moments, and I was kind of surprised by how like rocking it is. <laughs> it's like it's kind of like man, these are all kind of like bangers. Why weren't why weren't these on the album? And I was reading your interview, we were talking about how a lot of it was stuff that you would played live beforehand, yep. and then by the time you made the record, you were just like, eh. That, that's kind of old news. Yeah, we were more interested in like, oh, this thing we wrote just a couple months ago is so much newer and fr- you know more fresh to us. It, you know that I mean, some of those songs on Lost Loves should have made the albums. I mean, I think you know hindsight's twenty twenty, but the collection on Lost Loves, how it came together, and I mean how it sounds. I mean, it works really well as its own album in a cool way, and it has like a a flow and. um yeah, we just didn't want we didn't want it to just be like, here's 
here's leftover stuff. Hope you like it. Yeah, it's been nice to hear some fan feedback saying, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but it actually sounds like a new record. And why didn't some of these songs make it? Yeah, it's always about the flow of the of the record. Of the other record, yeah. Some some of them just kind of would have taken the record either down a notch or just been inappropriately aggressive or something like that. It seems so, but they've come together nicely i yeah. think into one package <laughs> are you playing a lot of that stuff on this tour or uh right now we're just playing two songs off of lost loves and then the whole beer commercials thing and then a smattering of other stuff from the band's career so um yeah beer commercials is like seven songs yeah so so that takes up a, it's a big chunk a, of the a set. chunk of the set um, but the Lost Love stuff sounds great, and it's super fun to play. Like Electric Rainbow, that song is, I don't know, that probably should have ended up on Planet of Ice, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it was left for... Maybe the name? Electric Rainbow? <laughs> Just not a Planet of Ice-sounding <laughs> title. It doesn't sound cold enough. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> oh, sounds kind of frog-ish. It seems yeah, like it might, it's have, very yeah, might have fit yeah. in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember, uh, I think the standout track for me off that was Broken China where it has just like the whole sort of noise outro thing going on. I was like, man, this is, this is like really abrasive for Minus the Bear. Like, totally. Yeah. That song is super fun to play live and we've ended up, I mean, we've played that live over the past like three years, like yeah. randomly, like probably played it on three or four different tours. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it is so like live, it just has, like you were saying, it's so abrasive and it just has those tones and, um, it's a totally different sounding song than everything else on Omni, which I'm sure is why we chose not to have it on Omni because it didn't seem like it fit the vibe of the record. Um, <clears throat> but in hindsight, I mean, I probably would have thrown it on there maybe yeah. in, in some way and taken something else off to give that record a bigger arc potentially if we could have sequenced it in there. Um, yeah, the ending's fun. Yeah, the ending's super fun. That was also one of the songs that, that kind of got changed during pre-production, and I think it, and I don't know that it, that those changes were made it better than the original arrangement. I'll have to go back and listen <laughs> So I think maybe we had a little taste in our mouths of like, maybe we had wished we had recorded that song with the original arrangement in mind rather than the arrangement we worked on with Joe when we were doing pre-production for the, for the whole record. We talked a little bit last week with Mike Kinsella about you know, sometimes the studio is like this great opportunity to like hear something from a new perspective and like reinvigorate the creative process. But then other times it's you're hearing it in a bit of a bubble and not really thinking about like the what it's going to sound like outside of that one space. And totally. It's a, I don't know, it's, it's hard to find that sweet spot where it's like you have enough creative room left in the studio to like explore an idea without turning into Metallica where you spend, you know, a year in the studio and you have Bob Rock just like feeding you cocaine and bad ideas. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Studio is an interesting place to be. And I, I think it, for me, I like it when things move along pretty quickly. So like open to new ideas and stuff, but if, but if you're going to, you know, you just, come up with an idea if you want to do something new, I think. And you have to make the decision, yeah. like, and, I mean, a lot of times, yeah, in the studio... Time gets eaten up by, like, 
how does this sound? How does this sound? Things can languish yeah. and kind of be left in limbo sometimes in the studio. And it, yeah, sometimes you just need like a firm decision to be made. And that's hard to do when you have like five people and a producer all with their own, maybe not shared vision of what the song should be. And then you're trying this idea and this idea and this idea and this idea. And then you use the first idea. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of times the first yeah, idea yeah. is the best one, yeah, you know, your, yeah. your, your initial instinct is a lot of times, you know, well, I can see it being difficult for you guys too. Cause there's already, I mean, there's five people in the band and there's a lot of different textures and you, I mean, Alex has a whole range of things that he can do. And then obviously there's a whole range of, you guys don't play, you know, just like distorted power chords the whole right. time. You're doing all these intricate things. So there's, it seems like it'd be really easy to get lost in like the endless options at some point. There's yeah. a lot of, there, there seems like there's actually more of that when we're writing that, you know, so many, I mean, sometimes it's like, there's so many ideas that it's almost like impossible to like do them all like in, in, in like the, the best way possible for each of them you know what i mean it's like someone will have an idea on this and then someone else will chime in and say well what if we did that and this and then you goes off in a downward downward spiral of of let's try every possible version which i mean is i guess a good exercise but sometimes it yeah you just want to just make it happen and mm-hmm. stick with something and and go from there i don't know it's it's interesting with five people with very strong opinions. opinions. Yeah. <laughs> and, and different ways of approaching, you know, their writing and stuff too. Yeah. Well, I think both of your bands have also like, like Brian was kind of saying, are, are pretty complex. I mean, I feel like the same for Russian. Like I remember mm-hmm. when I heard the new record, I was like, oh, Ethel, that song's so crazy. And you're like, yeah, playing that live is going to be challenging. Yeah. Like, do you guys ever like finish a record and then you're like, fuck, I have to like recreate this every night. Is yeah, that, totally. Yeah, I mean, I would love. To, I think we'd all love to play "Invented Memory" off this uh, off Lost Loves, but <clears throat> to to do that live would be really challenging. I mean, hopefully we we will do it at some point, but I think in this underplay tour, it wouldn't work. I mean, for that song, I have to have my hog on a, on a keyboard stand. Because I'm basically the riff is just me freezing a chord and then moving the sliders on the hog pedal to create the melody, and then there's overdubs over the top of that. And I mean, it's that's one of those studio songs that like really has tons of layers and overdubs and stuff. So yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like daunting to think about how are we going <laughs> to make all this happen and and you know have it sound cohesive live. But sometimes those limitations might be able to help what Brian's saying, too, like as far as like keeping things more contained and not getting super, I don't know. I'm limited by my ability, so I don't really have to deal with <laughs> the, the issues that you do. Yeah, I mean, sir, I mean, we've always kind of had some tracks that are more studio vibe than live. So, I mean, I don't think that it's, you know, most of the stuff we can do live, but, you know, there's a few certain ones that just for whatever reason have more complex uh yeah like we're doing pony up obviously from the beer commercials ep right which was kind of just is almost all electronic drums yeah drums and um why did i bring that up because <laughs> it wasn't it's, it's more of a studio track, oh yeah it's more of know? a studio track that we brought brought, <laughs> brought to the live realm and you know yeah because we've rarely rarely played that one 
yeah. live before. Yeah, there's a couple that just don't don't play very well. Yeah. But, well, you know, whatever. Do you have any of those, Brian? Uh, yeah, more and more, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're going to write a song with a singer on it, and we don't have a singer. <laughs> but that's kind of an easy out. It's like, well, well, we'll we can't play that. play that one. Yeah, we'll play it maybe on one tour, and then... But you I... guys did play that song on the European tour with Chelsea, right? Yeah, yeah, she was yeah. out with us, and she performed it with us in L.A. once when she was around. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like... The longer you're in a band, the more songs you have to play. And then all of a sudden, it's like, man, like, do you do you play all the new stuff? Do you want to play, you know, the hits to make the fans happy? Mm-hmm. Also, you yeah. can never make anyone happy, really. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. You never make everyone happy. Yeah. yeah. You guys like, didn't play blah, blah. <laughs> my heart's broken, sad face. Thanks for the tweet. I don't know. Yeah. I drove nine hours Maybe to Maybe you play. should write the set yeah. list, lady. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't go very well, though. I know. Don't yeah. argue with fans. I like when bands post tour dates and they're like, "Ugh, can't you come here? And it's like, I didn't just pull these out of a hat and I can just rearrange them now. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I feel like there is like that. There's like a weird disconnect sometimes with audiences. Not, I mean, not specifically your audience, but like, like, you know, people have set lists. They're not just like, or like we play shows where people are just screaming at us to like get off stage the whole time i'm like i'm not we're not just like they're set times like we're playing for 20 minutes like relax exactly yeah and sometimes with the you know the people that i mean i understand they're mad we're not going to texas or florida or whatever but i mean it's part of it have to do with like these days everything is so like on demand and like people don't realize that there things have to be you know planned and i you know tours have you know routings for a specific reason i mean I don't know, it seems like with, you know, the eighty dean of music with, like, just people, one track off this record on Spotify and one off this and no one listening to albums anymore, it seems like people are just, like, expect you to be able to just appear magically in their town, you know, just, I mean, I don't know if that's just a, the way people are evolving and everything has to be right now, you know? Yeah. Constantly. Well, they'll probably have, like, those holograms soon and then... Oh, yeah. There you go. Just franchise. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've already started creating the, you know, the future band with our That's children. Right. So, but I mean, you even have like, you even have, I mean, you look at DJ culture and DJ culture theoretically should be able to pander to the audience easier than a rock band ever could, you know, especially on a small scale. I mean, not like, sure. you know, you know, a Madison Square Garden DJ, but like, you know, someone that's like DJing at a local bar with access to the internet should be able to pull up whatever someone in the audience yells out if they really want it. And yet every DJ I follow complains about, Oh, I'm not a, I'm not a jukebox, you know, I brought, <laughs> we'll play what I want to play, blah, 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 blah. It's like, I, I don't know. I, the level of entitlement sometimes is like people need to realize yeah. what goes into these things. And mm-hmm. if, uh, if you're going for a live experience, like you're just going to have to take in whatever happens. And it's not, if you want, to make a playlist, you just sit at home and make a playlist. Right. And you can bring up all the songs on YouTube and put them in the sequence and then have your own private show that's perfectly catered to that's what you want. That's a great idea. We're going <laughs> to... Yeah. Make your own Minus the Bear show. Can't play everything. Yeah. You know? Can't play everywhere. We literally can't play everything. It's just impossible. Yeah. 
not all these songs. I mean, how have you guys? How it's kind of obviously having families. I'm sure impacts things. I mean, does that has that adjusted the the way that things work? I mean, has has that been kind of a gradual thing? Because I'd imagine it's like you get you get, you get married, whatever. Then you, I mean, how have you kind of worked with made that a part of your life? I guess. Yeah, I mean, before we do like <clears throat> U.S. tours that were like six or seven weeks long or whatever, and now it's you know with kids and stuff, we get we split them up into two legs or three legs or however it works. So you know we're only gone like two, three weeks at a time, um, just because otherwise it's you know wives get really <laughs> angry, unhappy, <laughs> <laughs> and plus I mean it's like you know now that we're now that we're dads, you know three of us, it's like I mean I want to see my kids. I mean I love hanging out with my little dude. So, you know, it's nice to go back and get that, uh, fill that void when you're, that you have when you're on tour where you miss your family and go home and see everyone and then go back out and kind of best of both worlds, I guess. I think it slows down the process a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, before children, we'd, we'd rehearse like five days a week, sometimes back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it slows things down a little bit, but it's totally worth it because they're super cute. <laughs> <laughs> and I think back to those, you know, those early Miles the Bear tours that were epic. It's also like you guys are all living in, you know, tiny single bedroom apartments and like, mm-hmm. you know, no one's like working a job that's, you know, gratifying or awesome. And it's just like, yeah, why not be on tour for seven weeks? Exactly. Everyone's backs were in better shape. Everyone's knees were in better shape. Yeah. You know, like you could get by in four hours of sleep. And yeah, some of those tours like that tour that was like the U S with Europe in the middle of it, like 10 weeks. Or it something. was, yeah. Was it like 11 weeks or something like that? Like tour the East coast, fly to Europe, do Europe, fly back to the East coast, tour back to Seattle. I mean, that was, I can't even imagine doing that now. That sounds so incredibly daunting. Yeah, in your in your early mid twenties, you can do crazy stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> now I'm just trying to stay alive, man. <laughs> <laughs> you worry about things when you're like in your late thirties. You're like, what was that? <laughs> I'm having a heart attack. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, well, my body's yeah. breaking down. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys do like stretching or like any kind of like? Uh, no, no. <laughs> not re- not really. Probably should though. I mean, oddly enough, I don't. My neck isn't that bad from last night after the first show. Mm. Normally, it's like you know to get after the first show, it's like total bang over. Almost wasn't enough room to head. I, I think that was maybe the. I think that was maybe the. I always find it's day three. It's yeah. like the next day. It's just kind of like, oh, I think I'm, I'm okay, and then yeah. you know, like the next day, it's like. Um, mm. Fuck! There it is. Oh, like, yeah. Maybe just, you've got a little delay in your bang over. Yeah, delay, delay, bang. delay. delay. <laughs> yeah, just wait till the next New York show in Gramercy. That'll be the day that my neck is just like oh, killing me. But then the next day, it's going to be like, oh man, my neck feels so. Oh, good. it's so good. It's like oil, oiled up and ready to go and yeah. jam. Oh, Let's okay. do this. Yeah. Yeah. We always we try now to like plan day three off because day three is like. Dave's hands are blistered. Yeah. Everyone's necks hurt. Like it's like day three is like the recoup day, and then it's wise. And then someone's always like, "Oh, but you could play this extra show on this day and make more money." And you're at home on a computer, like checking your email, just like, "Yeah, I think I could do that." And then you, and then the reality of it is like, <laughs> and then you're like, "Why did I choose? Why did I make that decision?" Yeah. You don't think far enough in advance. I feel like that's every single time we plan a tour. There's always. Someone, we get talked into doing something that 
Oh, us too. The second you're on tour, you're like, why did we agree to this? Yeah. Like, or like, you know, you have a day off here, but we can fill it with this thing. But then that means you've played nine shows or ten shows in a row. But it's like, but it's a great offer at a good club. And so you're like, well, we're on tour working, so we may as well work, you know, and maximize the time we're out because it can be so limited. Um, but yeah, that's that probably happens with every band. We, yeah. we just did that too. We're doing the West Coast, and we have, from the 4th to the 15th, we had two days off, and then we filled them both. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like at the time, I, like even it was happening, I was like, yeah, we should do it. Like it seems dumb to say no. Mm-hmm. Like, we never go out there. But then you're like, I know flash forwarding like three months. Yep. But I'm going to be regretting this decision. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it's just part of the experience. Yep. Well, and I think there's also maybe something to be said that we've all done time in bands that toured and didn't draw people and you were playing places where the shows would fall through and it's like you had to fill every day because like you didn't know if all the shows were going to happen or not yeah, third so, like, yeah, yeah. Fall through. It's like That's oh true. yeah my mom just said i can't actually have the show or you know like <laughs> you know the squat got busted or you know the promoter just didn't show up and you know it was the smell and it was there's a note on the door that said go away <laughs> yeah, yeah, show's yeah exactly not, not happening not, yeah i think a lot of it's just that ingrained sense of like a day off is a bad thing. You yeah, know, that's get, true. You get a little older and it's like, no, a day off is when we go eat macaroni grill and go to a water park and it's awesome. <laughs> like, macaroni maybe, grill. Maybe go. Oh to man, movie. there's so much bad food on tour. Do you guys like macaroni grill? I've never think I've ever been I don't been think there. I've ever been to macaroni grill. We we try to do macaroni grill on every day off. What's the really what's up with that? Well, it started off when I joined the band. Or not not when I joined the band, but when I first went out to play with the band. As a joke, they took me to a macaroni grill because they're like, oh, Chicago has so much good food. We're going to take you out to the suburbs and take you to macaroni grill. <laughs> so it was like this total asshole move. <laughs> and then we all like were eating and like kind of enjoying my meal. And everyone's like, yeah, it's like mine's actually really good. And you're like sharing each other's food. It's like, do we like macaroni grill? <laughs> I think we do. And now it's just kind of turned into a thing where it's, you know, most towns have one. So, you know, obviously if you're, if we're, it's a day off in an, you know, a town we're familiar with and we know like a good option that's a little different, but usually when you have a day off, it's, you know, somewhere between Austin and Albuquerque and it's like, well, there's nothing. And yeah. maybe Lubbock has a macaroni grill and if they do, you know, it's going to be good. <laughs> Everyone will have a little Chianti and be happy. And It's not like Applebee or anything like that. Man, did you guys have Applebee's the other night? No, no, no. no, no, no. Okay, good. No. We're trying to stay away from the... Yeah, uh, we can't do that. I mean, there's... I mean, like, Chili's, Applebee's... That's lower tier. Friday's, like, all that stuff. Like, sometimes you have no choice, but... You you need to... That maybe, stuff's... I feel like that stuff's bad, but, like, terrible. Macaroni Grill yeah. and, like, Outback Steakhouse, I feel like they're just, like... <laughs> they're actually, like... They're not bad. We've had some oh, pretty some bad... Decent. We've had some pretty bad Outback experiences. But we've had some pretty good we've ones. We've had some pretty good ones. <laughs> Landover, Maryland. It's, it's Alex's yeah. favorite Outback Steakhouse ever. I don't know why. He's a yeah, yeah. He, he really loved his steak there. It's how desperate this lifestyle gets. <laughs> if I have a favorite, it's in where is it? It's in somewhere in Maryland. I, in he Maryland. always talks about it whenever we like mention. Oh, there's an Outback. He's like, oh, I wonder if it's as good as the one in Maryland. <laughs> He'll be a grandpa and point out every single. I. Had a good steak there once in Maryland. <laughs> I got a wheel of cheese at that Cracker Barrel across the road. <laughs> I, I, 
I remember that. <laughs> and, and actually, Cracker Barrels won now that we're like, Cracker Barrels made the cut. Like, yeah. We'll, we'll do Cracker Barrels. Well, you guys need to have like a list of like approved Russian circles. Like, Th- there kind of is one. Restaurants yeah. and then, you know, go for some sponsorship opportunities. We, we did a tour with a friend of ours that was very adamantly anti Starbucks. And so we had this tour where we're like, cool, we're going to find like the hip, good, like coffee shop in every town every morning and like try and branch out and be like more, you know, cosmopolitan you know like like not so eating local you know that kind of thing and it was such a it was a nightmare it was like (laughs) the worst thing because automatically there's a starbucks within five minutes of wherever you are right in most places in america the cool coffee shop is usually half an hour away no matter what so you're already adding like half an hour onto your day and the best coffee shop in most cities is still pretty awful (laughs) like i agree and so you're better off just like admitting that starbucks isn't terrible and getting starbucks every morning and being happy as opposed to like trying to like seek out the cool yeah is this like because they didn't like starbucks or was it more of like an ideological i think it was ideological but they also were trying to argue that Starbucks just wasn't as good as, say, Cinnabon's coffee, which I think is completely absurd yeah. and wrong. That's just not a rational person. That's not a rational person. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it lasted about a week, and then we went back on the Starbucks train. So, And that's, that's the reality of touring. You Consistency know? Yeah. sometimes is the, is, the, is the trump card there. You just have to well, yeah, cause every, feel like normal things are happening. Yeah. Because on tour, I mean, everything's, I mean, it's the same, but it's different every day. So, like, having something that's, yeah. Gives you at least a little reliable. bit of routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and routine is, you know, sometimes. I actually went to the Starbucks this morning for my morning BM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Really brought this full circle. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know what? That's a good place to do it. It is. It's always they didn't have toilet paper when I looked over. Uh-huh. Had to use the cowboy hat thing. <laughs> the seat liner. <laughs> yeah, but Star- you know, Starbucks. You always know it's going to be a private bathroom. Yeah, it's going to have a lock on it. Yep, fairly clean. clean. Yeah. Thanks, Starbucks, for the bathroom. <laughs> Next time, put some toilet paper. In. You know, this. <clears throat> I was I was thinking about this earlier, but we were talking, doing all the bathroom talk, and talking about bathrooms on tour. I'll bring it up now, but it brought me back to a show. I think it was in St. Louis when we were on tour and it was at a university and the backstage was just like a partitioned off part of the showroom floor. And to get to the bathroom, you had to go through the crowd and it was a crowded show. And I remember, do you remember this? Do you know where this is going? I feel like this is going to be a little incriminating. But, I, I think I remember this. But for whatever reason, this college had just a door on a, rolling frame oh, so we yes. pushed <laughs> this rolling door frame into a corner and then put a garbage can behind <laughs> it and that was just our backstage bathroom yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, i absolutely show. remember yeah, that I totally yeah. remember and that. it was like a four-band tour and it was a lot of people that liked to drink and there was a lot of urinating <laughs> there's a lot that. of urinating behind the rolling door what was with that door i don't know but i just feel so bad for whatever like student union worker like the end of the night. i would never behave like that on the road again you know, <laughs> any, anymore you know what i mean i'd be like i'll walk through the crowd and go to the actual bathroom would you though not really yeah. <laughs> 
That was David and Jay from Ice of Bear. Holy shit, guys. I would love if they have a side project called Plus the Raccoon. That would be good. They After this interview, <laughs> they took me out to their RV or their box truck thing and gave me a tour and, of it. And hurt you. They had, yeah. Well, we talk about it a lot in the podcast. They were like, this is a phone where you call the driver if you need to take a dump. This is... <laughs> Because the driver is actually sectioned up. I can't talk about this anymore because we talked about like this kind of stuff for like 20 minutes already in this podcast. But okay. the actual RV was, the, the box truck was very spacious and really nice. Although, yeah, the, the bands who can do that, man. I think I think when Forrest from Hello Goodbye came on, he did a box truck. He did. And, and didn't the Souls have like a box truck forever? Yes. Strike Anywhere had one for a while. It's kind of like yeah. a medium between a van and a bus. Didn't we talk about this? It was the Descendants and All were the ones that started it. Oh, yes. Oh, they did that? Yeah, yeah. you're right. I because forgot they were, about that. We, I did a tour with, with All when like, and Dino was in love with the truck, but they... But they were like, no, it sucks. It's really hot. You like bounce all over yeah, the place. Yeah, they said the suspension on it is Yeah, the still suspension is not made bad. for cruising. Dude, I, I drove cross country in a box truck a million years ago. And it was one of those where you can crawl in the back. So we made good time getting to LA from DC. But, you know, you're going to crawl in the back and sleep on a couch. But you're not really sleeping because you're more just trying to stay alive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's uh but hey, I mean, it's, I think it beats a van. At least you can lie down. I don't know how you guys have done the van thing, man. I, I, I just I had no problem doing it at like twenty two to like twenty seven, and at like my like thirty three to like thirty five stage so far, it is much harder. I'd say if you ever, if any band hears "Tour Song" by Jawbreaker, you're going to be like, uh, I don't know if this almost makes it right. I really don't. This shit's hard. Yeah, it's wow. just like my body just hurts more. Yeah, it's when you're young and excited about yeah. touring. The van doesn't matter, dude. Fuck it. Yep. That's yeah. when you're scary because you think you're immortal and then you're all taking turns driving and you're all up late with meth in the fucking ashtray and you don't know where you're going. Like that's, wait a minute, I think I just <laughs> described college. I'm talking about something. Sorry. Sorry. Oh my God. So do they, when they tour, do they carry, do they, do they use a box truck to carry their merch? I think they have a trailer. Oh, oh yeah. smart for a merch trailer. Yeah. No, so, oops. yeah, um, their merch. Was that a good segue? That was great. Yeah, and their merch. I don't know who prints their merch, but... Uh, but it should be. But it should be Commonwealth Press, uh, who are sponsoring the podcast. Our first sponsor. They're fans of the podcast, so it's not weird. Uh, and if you go to cwpress.com slash podcast, you can get six free shirts. And it will also show that with you learned order. about them. With your order, yes. <laughs> and also show that you learned about them through us, which will make us look cool. Definitely. Um, so yeah, so check them out. Um, check out every Minus a Bear record. Uh, and yeah, check us out on iTunes, blah, blah, blah. You know where to find us, I guess, if you're listening to this. So, and if you want to donate and let us keep the lights on, that'd be awesome. Yes, that would also be cool. So yeah, but we like doing the podcast. If you want to just leave us a nice message on iTunes, a good comment, that is, that's free and that will also help us out. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone for supporting us. Thanks Dave and Jake for coming on and we'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.